All right, good morning, everybody. We're getting ready to start off a new series called Love Thy Neighbor. It's one of the greatest commandments that Jesus gives us is to love God and then love others as ourselves, love our neighbor as ourselves. And so um, to start off this series, I thought it'd be really important to share a joke. Three friends go to heaven. They all ask the same, they're all asked the same question. When you're lying in your casket and your friends and family are mourning over you, what would you like them to say about you? The first guy immediately responds and says, I'd love for them to, I'd love to hear. He was a great doctor, one of the greatest of all times. And he was a great family man. That's good, right? It's pretty nice. The second guy says, I would love to hear, here's a wonderful husband and a great Sunday school teacher. Those are, you know, really nice things to be said about you. The third guy thinks about it for a second and says, I'd like to hear them say, look, he's moving. (laughs) It's a good joke for, uh, so we're starting a new series, but today I want to talk about speaking life. So it's like such a perfect joke for that, to speak life into people's life, to be able to like use our mouths for speaking life. Many Christians have never considered the incredible impact their words can have on other people. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really good. Many Christians have never considered the incredible impact their words can have on people. How much power is in our mouth? How much power are in our words? I was uh, on my way to, to work to actually work on this message, and I was driving down River Drive right down here, and this person decided to cut all four lanes and come down the other, other way. So it's a two-lane road, and they came down the opposite, like they turned it into like we're in England or something, and started driving down the wrong. And everything in me was like, I knew I was talking about speaking life, but everything in me was saying like, I don't want to speak life right now. What are they thinking? Like, why in the world did they cross over? They came right, at, like my life flashed before my eyes. It was crazy. There's so many things I was thinking, like, just to criticize him, like, you know, I'm expecting, like, a dog drinking a latte, a latte instead of driving a car. I mean, why in the world did they cross all the way over? I don't know about you guys, but 2020 has been really hard not to be critical. I'm saying that as a confession to you, because it's just been so hard not to criticize Criticize like people's decision, criticize our governor's decision, criticize our mayor's decision. It's been really hard not to criticize. Criticize what our pastor's doing and what he's not doing or she's not doing. Criticize. It's been really tough. It seems that we can point out one thing we don't like about something instead of nine things we do like about it. I think ever since American Idol started, we've become great at criticism. Ever since American, Simon Cowell has infiltrated the United States and just given us this right that like we're supposed to pick things apart. And so we find one thing we don't like about something as opposed to nine things we do like about it. Like I really like that restaurant, but can I just talk about Google reviews for a second? <laughs> 
No. Oh, I just wonder how Jesus would use Google in reviewing things. I just, I'm going to leave you with that. It's a little nugget. Take it or leave it. How would Jesus use Google? I think our mayor or governor is doing an okay job, but they're pretty nice people, but... You know, my job is really good, but my boss... One thing we don't like about something instead of nine things we really like about it. The city church is a pretty cool group of people, but their pastor's jokes. So maybe today isn't for everyone, and I'm okay with that as we start this new series. This might not fit your category. You might not have the same thing that I've walked through. And maybe 2020 hasn't been a year of like find yourself being a little bit critical, a little bit cynical. But I think it's very important for us to start with this, is to speak life. That as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're, we're, we're challenged to, to love our neighbor, and that comes from our tongue, speaking life into people's life. And so we're going to look at the book of Proverbs, which is written from Solomon. It's going to be Proverbs 15.1. And Solomon was, so Solomon is David's son. David was a great king, but Solomon was even greater. He was amazing. He was asked by God, if you could have one thing, Solomon, what would it be? What would you like? What would you want? If God came to you today, Angie, I'm going to pick on you. You can have one thing. God says, whatever it is, what would you like? Peace. That's really good. Ariel, God says, hey, you can have whatever you want. What would you like? A new car. <laughs> I think you're supposed to go to the Oprah show. No, that's... So God comes to Solomon and says, you're a great king. I have this amazing mission for you to build me a temple. How cool is that? And you can have anything you would like. What would, what, what would you like? And Solomon says, I would like wisdom. Wisdom. And so like he got wisdom, but then he got everything else on top of it that you could ever ask for. And I just want to talk about wisdom for a second because there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is when you apply wisdom. So sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people filled with knowledge. And as I was talking about Google, we all have a lot of knowledge at our fingertips. A lot of people know a lot of stuff. They even know a lot of stuff about the book. They even know a lot of stuff about the Bible. They got all the knowledge in the world. But have they applied it? Are they applying it? Because knowledge is, or wisdom is knowledge applied. And so sometimes, like, I, I just want to, I'm just going to put this out as a blanket statement. Be careful who you're listening to. They may be very, very smart and very strategic and have a lot of knowledge about the subject, but are they applying it in their life? That, that's one thing to, to look into. You can know the Bible inside and out, have all the great ideas in the world, but wisdom is actually when you apply it in your life, and you'll see that and by the by the fruit of a tree. So, Solomon asked for wisdom. And guys, I'm telling you, like, 
in this year, this is, Proverbs is so right on for us. Proverbs 15.1. Check this out. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about this, but when you're being criticized, when somebody is criticizing you, a gentle answer turns away wrath. When somebody's picking you apart and criticizing your beliefs or whatever it may be, if you jump into that arena with a lot of like anger in your answer, it's actually going to fuel that fire, right? It's going to be a fight. But Solomon, the wisest person that ever walked the earth besides Jesus, says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's so good. A gentle answer on your fingertips also turns away wrath. I'll say this applies to typing and text and everything of, of the sort. An answer, a gentle answer. The tongue of the wise adorn knowledge, but the mouth of a fool gushes foully. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is the tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. So Solomon says the soothing tongue is a tree of life. The, the one way that you can look at a tree of life, he notice he doesn't say a tree of good and evil or a tree of knowledge. actually says a tree of life. And so at the very end of the book in Revelations, God's going to plant himself as a tree of life and we are all in unity. There is no sin. There's no more the kingdom come of God. And he's going to plant himself in the middle of the city that we will all be together as one. And so Solomon says that a soothing tongue is actually speaking the word of God. Tree of life. You're, you're giving life. But what does it say? It says a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. We never know where people are at in life, do we? We never know if a word could actually just be so encouraging to that marriage that all of a sudden the marriage succeeds. But it says a perverse tongue crushes the spirit because a lot of us are just trying to make it. And then you say that one thing that's out of critical, like out of this heart of anger and it's critical, and all of a sudden their spirit is just crushed. So I love that. Solomon says like you can speak life or you can crush people's spirits. Notice there's not really a room of a gray area there. It's just speak life or crush spirits, Right? Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So our words can bring satisfaction, they can bring healing, they can bring restoration, or they can destroy. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not necessarily like when you speak over something that you're actually bringing death or life to it, there's power in your tongue, but when you speak life, you're actually speaking the word of God into that. You're not like calling things into existence. You can pray with power in that and believe that and have faith for that. But when you step into loving your neighbor, you're actually speaking life into their life, or you can speak death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So today I want to just invite you to speak life. Choose to speak life today. Do you guys remember seventh grade at all? Anybody? 
Wasn't it rough? Man, I wish I had a picture of myself in seventh grade. I had the really, like, a lot, I see a lot of people wearing the glasses that I had to wear in seventh grade. Um, they're actually cool again, but I was forced to wear them. Uh, it was the same height and very goofy. Lots changed. Um, but in seventh grade science class, we had to dissect the frog. Do you remember that? Did anybody else dissect the frog? And you had to lay it out and you had to point out its organs and stomach and, you know, and you had to dissect it. Everybody in the class had to do it. I don't think there was an option like, I don't want to do this. It was just, you know, we're dissecting the frog today. And so the other day I'm walking on the bike path uh, in Princeton, walking my dogs, and it's just this, this really, um, it doesn't get walked a lot. But anyways, there's just frogs everywhere. They're just jumping around, frolicking in the grass. <laughs> and just, in, just enjoying life, you know, to, to the fullest extent as a frog would. <laughs> but a, a truck goes up and down the bike path. And uh, so you got these alive frogs that are jumping back and forth. And then every, you know, half a mile or so, I'd see two or three frogs that didn't make it across the path. The truck got them. And so I'm out there walking the dogs. And like I said, you know, this, is, this message is completely for me, that being just critical, being cynical a little bit this year. And I'm just enjoying life in the sun. And the Lord just really spoke to me. Do you want to dissect frogs? As I was seeing like a lot of the smashed frogs. It's like when you speak the things and you're critical about a different situation or about a person in your life or whatever it may be, you're dissecting frogs. You're laying them out and you're dissecting them. And here's the thing, Neil, is when you dissect somebody, you, they gotta, when you dissect the frog, it's got to be dead. Do you want to speak death or do you want to speak life? Man, I was just trying to just enjoy the day. And God's like, stop dissecting my frogs. Stop dissecting the frogs. Let them frolic along. <laughs> Solomon teaches us that we can have the power of life and death and is in the tongue. And when we criticize people, we're picking them apart and choosing like, to dissect them and their choices and their opinions or how they parent. We're speaking death over them. So my invite today is speak life. Speak life over death. That our words can actually bring healing and restoration into somebody's life. That you have that much power, that the Lord's given you that much power, that your words mean so much that it could bring healing into a, an area of somebody's life that was really hurting. They could bring restoration. Powers in the tongue. I think the best way for us to speak life into people 
and to speak life and to be beacons of life and to be fountains of life is to love. Jesus had it right. Love thy neighbor to love. 1 Corinthians 13, which is something that's always read at weddings, right? I've said this uh, passage at every single wedding except for one because they specifically said, do not read that passage. <laughs> I'm not going to point them out. They're here. But uh, <laughs> so they didn't want that passage read. And, and I thought, you know what? How wise is it not to read it at your wedding too? It's, it's cool to have at your wedding But if we only look at this passage as this only applies for my wife or my husband, then it loses a lot of its power. Because love isn't just for our spouse. Love is for everyone. And so 1 Corinthians 13 says this. 13.4 says, love is patient. To be able to speak life means to love somebody. And remember, love is patient. So patient with people. I ran, uh, you know how you get those memories on Facebook? Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. So like six years ago, I ran the, um, the Niagara Falls uh, Marathon. And you start in New York, and then you end at Niagara Falls, and you're crossing the finish line. It's, it's beautiful. It's like the most beautiful run. But I didn't plan on it being really cold. But I trained for about eight months for this thing. I ate really well and did all the work that goes into qualifying for Boston. And so I make it 10 miles into the race, and my left, um, my left leg starts to cramp up. And so I start stretching it. I was doing great. I was going to, like qualify. I felt like this is a really good race. And I just couldn't shake it. My calf was just like so cramped up. I just couldn't, I stretched out. And so here I am, like did all this work to get to New York to run this race, to qualify. And I felt like, man, I just wasted the last eight months of my life to do all this work. And all these people are passing me. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I wonder how much work they did to pass me, you know, because <laughs> I can't run. And it made me so mad. I'm just not real patient with myself. You know, like, I wanted to complete that. I felt like that was the time to do it. But one thing that I found and I remembered in that race is like, when you're impatient with yourself, you start to become very critical of everybody else. So when you're really impatient in your season of life, what, what's going on in your life right now, all of a sudden you become very critical of everyone else because you're so impatient about yourself. And so, love is patient. Love thy neighbor as you love yourself. So love is patient. So love, be patient. When criticism wants to come up on ourselves, remember love is patient, love ourselves. But also when we want to criticize others, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. This is the one, like I would stop here if we were doing a wedding right now and I would talk about the records of wrongs because it's just so good. Like, you know, living together for the last 20 years, Amy could totally keep a list of all the things that I've done wrong, right? And I could come home to, you left your socks on the floor again and you left the toilet seat up. (laughs) But then I would go, well, love keeps no records of wrongs remember that you left the car on empty again love keeps no records of wrongs could you imagine (laughs) so this isn't just for our spouses this is for people this is for everyone jesus loves everybody as much as he loves us And so could you imagine taking the record of wrong that we have, that sheet of paper that we've added up all these things and then crinkling it up into a ball and throwing it into a fire. Love thy neighbor. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Nothing. Every morning I wake up with new mercies, right? As you do. Could you imagine waking up every morning and giving others new mercy? The same mercies that we receive, we can actually pour out on others. Love keeps no records of longs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love. So today's an invite. Not every, every service ends with an invite, but today is. If you found yourself this year, 2020, maybe, maybe the past 10 years, I don't know, just kind of being a little bit critical, I'm inviting you to speak life, that we would speak life into our workplace. Even if we're going into a workplace that's just, that is just like ran with a lot of criticism, that we could go in there and be beacons of hope, beacons of love, and actually speak life, to speak life into our marriages instead of finding that one thing that we don't like. Focus on the nine things that we do, to speak life into our friends, to be able to be that person that's like, you know what, I'm not going to judge you. You can tell me whatever you need to tell me. And then encourage them, give them an encouraging word. If you found yourself that way, just invite you today. Today's an invite to just speak life. No, choose it. It's a choice. To say, you know what? I'm tired of being critical. And God, I'm giving you, I'm giving you my criticism. I'm giving you this heart. And would you transform it into a heart of love and a heart that would just speak life? Whenever you think of starting to criticize something, I want you to think of, do I really want to dissect this frog? So I have a frog today. I went back to that place that I was talking about. He's an alive frog. (laughs) Do you want to come up here? Can you catch a frog if he gets out of my hands? Okay, will you come up here? Good. So last service, he jumped around. (laughs) And he went all over the place. And 
Oh, are you scared of frogs or something? Oh, okay. But yeah, we're going to... I just want to show you a real frog. Not that you haven't seen a real frog. But just to remember, am I, am I willing to dissect this frog? Right? Am I willing to, to lay it out and dissect it? Like when, when that heart of criticism comes up and you're like, man, I just want to be so critical of what's going on. I just don't understand it. I don't agree. And like this heart of criticism comes up. Just remember this, this live frog in here, Willie. We're going to call him Willie. Remember him. Do I really want to dissect him today? Okay? You ready? All right. I'm going to have to hold him really tightly because he jumps around a lot. Mm. Oh, here he goes. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> He's really going for it today. <laughs> this is Willie. Just remember that. He's enjoying life. You can speak life and you can keep him alive. Or, you know, when a heart of criticism comes up, it's like, do I really want to dissect Willie today? Kiss him. No. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as fairy tales. <laughs> so speak life. He's speaking. Okay. I hope this helps you and it's something that you can remember, something that you can just put in the back of your memory. I want to keep them alive. Just continue to speak life. Don't jump away. Thank you for your help. Do you want to pet him? Yeah. Slimy, huh? So Willie will be going home today, right after service. He'll be going back to Mississippi and enjoying life. So I just invite you. This is an invite, like I said. If you just found your heart being really critical lately, a lot of cynicism, you don't have to be. Nobody's put a mantle on us and said, like, I need you to be really critical. We can be beacons of hope and speak life. So I just invite you, if that's you today, I just feel like the Lord just wants to change some hearts. I just invite you to stand up. I'm going to go ahead and pray and just put your hands out and say, you know what, Lord, give me a, give me a heart that would speak life. Just invite you to just put out your hands and just trade in a heart that's critical for a heart that just speaks life. So come, Holy Spirit. Come. All right, just pray for, for all of us in this room, Lord, that you would just put a heart of love and compassion. Lord, that our hearts would be full of patience, perseverance, hope, trust. Lord, that when anything that we want to jump back into being critical about something, Lord, would you just remind us, would you just be a great reminder to speak life? Lord, we trade in our hearts of criticism and cynicism. We just trade them in right now. And Lord, would you just 
Create us as uh, beacons and fountains of life. Lord, that our, our words, our actions, our, our mouths would just be um, uh, a tree of life. We'd speak life into situations. Just also pray for new lenses for, for each of us in this room. Lord, that the things that we were drawn into um, from a, a critical lens, that you would just give us new glasses even today, uh, new spiritual glasses, that we would see the good in things as opposed to being drawn to the, the negative and stuff. Lord, that we would be, we would be drawn into the good. Just replace that in our hearts, Lord. Thank you for the plans that you have for this. I just want to speak to the marriages in this room too. Lord, that we would just be drawn in our marriages to, to point out what we love about our spouses. To keep that at the forefront of, of, our, uh, of our tongues. Lord, I just pray for all of us in this room. We just be reminded to keep no records of wrongs. Just be able to get rid of those. We just lay those at the cross today. Hmm. Amen.